has been a good little while since we've done a beer with episode and this is Larry with Taylor Trash Fly Fishing and this evening I'm having a beer with none other than Ben Sittig, the huge fly fisherman. So uh, Ben, welcome to the Taylor Park yet again. Good to have you. Thanks. It's always super awesome to be here. I love it down here. I, I'm hoping by the end of this, you're going to still say the same. Because, uh, <laughs> well, you have something you know, planned that yeah, I don't know about? No, I, I just, you know, I think, uh, you know, you've certainly sat in on on the full tilt, you know, Taylor Trash episodes. Uh, and and on, I've also listened to on, every single second that you've ever published. Okay. So. But, you know, sometimes uh, the feedback we get after one of these is, you know, oh. wow, I have no idea what we even talked about or what I said. and. <laughs> You know, uh, I think that's the hallmark of a good show. Maybe no, no surprises intended, but uh, you know, I think that there is a pretty large contingent of anglers out there that know you from little Monday visits that they've had with you. You're talking about YouTube over the last couple of years. Yes, a little and, over two uh, years. They probably don't know you, you know, to the level that some of us have had the fortune to know you and uh the intent of this is to just kind of stroll down memory lane and find out what makes ben Sittig tick yeah well i think you're right uh i the youtube channel there's definitely a side of me that is not seen on the youtube channel uh and that's mostly because i try to keep it family friendly right so to that end um if you're used to the huge fly fisherman and you typically have the kids around you may want to um have earmuffs available i'm just gonna i'm gonna start it off right now fuck we're full tilt <laughs> all right so you know I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and 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 try to establish the baseline of ben sittig to me uh for many 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 years was the careless Ethiopian. Right. And there's probably people that watch your YouTube channel that have no idea what careless Ethiopian is, means, where it comes from. That's correct. Um, so at some point, um, you had to make a decision um, to, to change social media presence um, where you had been known as as one thing for for how long how long do you think you had a presence online that you know and here's a weird thing um, the I met you through the Drake message board right. um, 
certainly uh, back during the heyday of the Drake message board where it was kind of the wild, wild west of the fly fishing world. Um, all of that predates uh, iPhones. It predates Facebook, all of that. It was the old traditional forum. Right. Um, and, you know, every once in a while you, you'd go to a outing uh, on the Drake uh, they were referred to as a bake, um, and and you met people and you knew them by their online moniker or their handle, uh, and that's kind of how you got introduced. And then you found out who they really were, <laughs> um, name wise. So, can you put a number on how long ago um, the Careless Ethiopian was created and where that came from? I think it was probably ten years ago. Um, <clears throat> I know that when I get around to looking at the Drake now, it says I signed up in 2010. And I think the my Drake handle was the first time that I used that. Um, so I was careless to see the open on the Drake, and that was 10 years ago. It came from... Actually, this is a question I get asked a lot, or used to get asked a lot. Uh, it's from the Bible, originally. There are some passages that refer to careless Ethiopians, and then that was somehow uh, adopted or referenced in reggae music, and that's where I got it from, is there's some things in reggae music about careless Ethiopians, and I like reggae music a lot, so that's where I got it from. Um, and I've been uh, accused of culturally or cultural appropriation and all kinds of other stuff because of that name. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Yeah, it's... yeah you're, you're reading way too much into that. Um, it's because I like reggae music. And they got it from the Bible. Okay, so clearly, you know, sometime in the in that ten year time frame, let's call it, because I would have imagined it would have been longer than that. Um, but I can't think of. I think that's where it first popped up. No, no, no I'm I'm oh. saying that that you were on the, like. I would have thought I was on the Drake earlier. Than you were. You okay. were there before me. Okay. Okay. But my my sign up date, I just happen to know, is uh, April first, twenty ten. Okay. I just happen to know that. April Fool's Day. I know, right? Um, it seems like a joke, but it wasn't. So clearly, you are a fly fisherman. I am. Um, a, a huge fly fisherman. Some in, would say in, in name only, not actual stature. So what? led you who exposed you to fly fishing originally espn outdoors on saturday mornings okay so you could say it was doug swisher and 3m scientific anglers basically that's uh that's probably where i first saw fly fishing and i would watch espn outdoors on saturday mornings and you know it was bill dance um shaw grigsby uh hank parker and then there was the 3M shows. And I remember Doug Swisher vividly. And I think Billy Pate was in there, too, doing some stuff. I don't know if that was the 3M show. But it was ESPN Outdoors is where I learned about fly fishing. And so this is something on Saturday mornings as a kid of how old? Uh, Ten. And and you just you, you looked at it and said, man, that looks really looks cool. cool. I just thought it looked cool. And I knew about fishing. And I fished a little bit as a kid. But I just thought it looked really cool cool so so what was your next step to uh when i was 13 i was in a kmart in atlanta georgia and they had a uh shakespeare combo for sale it was 30 dollars, and i 
begged and begged and begged and begged my mom and just pestered her and pestered her. And uh, we walked out of the store with a Shakespeare combo, eight weight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then we were visiting my aunt and uncle and cousins in Atlanta, and they had a, a retention pond next to their house. So I immediately went down there, and I'm fairly certain it was a, a royal coachman, either wet or dry. Did that come with the combo? Yeah, it came with the combo and a little okay. like, blister pack or whatever. Right. I immediately went down to the the pond where I had fished before, so I knew where the bluegill hung out by the spillway, mm-hmm. and I immediately caught half a dozen bluegill right off the bat, and that was the start of it right there. So can you remember back to that day, and, and, and were you fly casting, or were <laughs> you cane poling? <laughs> no, it was fly fishing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I had a reel. It wasn't a fixed line. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> what I'm getting at is... I was, I was making casts, yeah, and they were, were tr- probably awful, but right. I wasn't just, like, dapping the fly out. Okay, because yeah. it's interesting to me, like, you know, I, I started fly fishing way later in life than, you know, you, you're starting at 10. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's when I became exposed 10 to, to 13. Yeah. So 13 was when you got that, you yeah. know, but mom, I want it. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, the the mechanics of of casting a fly rod are you know not the simplest. Um, it becomes pretty simple and in right. second nature. But uh, you know, self taught then uh, yes. out out of the pack it comes, and you've watched enough of it on TV. You know how to emulate it. Yeah, I think I was mostly self taught until I was probably in my thirties. Okay. Yeah. Um, I ended up working. At, started working at a fly shop when I was sixteen. Okay. So I got kind of in there pretty early, but there wasn't at that time really anyone that was teaching me much. Right. Besides me uh, consuming as many videos as I could, really. When you say videos, well, we had, I mean, it, well, you have ESPN Outdoors, but in the fly shop, we had a TV and a catalog of videotapes that were, was, um, I, I mean, I remember um, a bunch of old Lee Wolf videos, uh, a bunch of the Minipee Brook Trout stuff, uh, a bunch of Billy Pate stuff. So I, while I was working in the fly shop, I would just roll that stuff constantly. Okay. You know, and 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 go around and fiddle with every single every single thing in the shop that we had. So where? is this fly shop where Ben got it his start. It was in start. Ellicott City, Maryland. Okay. And it's actually kind of an interesting story. Over by BWI? Uh, not, probably 20 minutes away. Okay. Um, uh, how I started working there was a little bit uh, fortuitous. I was in there one day. I don't even remember what I was buying, but I was, I was 16 because I know I drove there. <laughs> and uh, the guy that was working there was like, Hey man, you're in here a lot. Do you want to work here? Yeah, just just like that. Okay. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And so they had somebody that was working there, that was like a high school kid or something, and he was going to be leaving and going to college, and they needed another shop rat. You know, right. Just just basic stuff. And uh, I I was in there all the time, and so that dude was just like, "Do you want to work here?" And Honestly, I think my life would have taken a completely different path if he didn't ask me that question that day. Right. You know? Um, 
I would have never sought out a job there because I didn't know shit. Right. You know, I, and uh, I just, I don't even remember that guy's name. I ended up working with him for about a year, but if he had not asked me that question that day, I think my life would have turned out a lot differently. So I, I just want to back up just a little bit so that I'm on the same page here with you. The catalog of videos and, and being able to have access to that for, you know, watching it and, you know, learning. Was that after you were an employee there? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was when I was just killing time in the shop. Okay. Yeah, because when there's so, nobody around. So prior to that, it, you're a pretty regular customer. You're coming in there. Were you into fly tying it early on? Or this is just part of your normal milk run? You always like to go by the fly shop? No, I didn't always go by there. I would go by there when I needed something. Sounds like it must have been pretty often if you were in there all the time. <laughs> well, well, I was probably buying flies. Um, I remember vividly the day that I learned about line weights. I went in there, and I was like, I need a new fly line. And he's like, well, what weight do you need? I'm like, what's that mean? And I had no idea what it meant. He's like, bring me your rod. So I like went, I drove back home, grabbed that rod that I had from Kmart. And that was still the only rod you had? Yeah. Okay. And I took it back in there, and he says, oh, it's an eight weight. So I got an eight weight line. Okay, and that was the day I learned about line weights. But um, can can we drill down on that just a tiny little sure. bit? So when you went in there and you said, "I think I need a new fly line," you said, "What weight?" And you just didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. And he said, "We'll go get your rod and bring it in." I would imagine um, today that there's a lot of people that. I don't even want to say working at a fly shop, but obviously that's how this story is going. That may be working at a fly shop that can benefit from hearing that a kid came in with a Kmart combo, had the passion clearly, has already worn out one fly line, doesn't even know what weight fly line he has, and you brought this two-piece bottom-of-the-barrel economy of economy rod in there. Do you have any recollection of, like, how he looked at or treated your setup? Or it was like, you know, did... Total respect. And and, and that's... He wanted to help me. And that's amazing. That's so freaking awesome. He wanted to help me. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Yeah. So he helps you find a, a, a an affordable fly line, or you know, does he have? Does he have? <laughs> this is gonna say, does he have the talk <laughs> like about like, hey, you don't want to put you don't want to put no. an eighty dollar line on no. this rod or no. this setup? Well, but, at that time, there, I don't think there was the di- di- diversity of lines. It's okay, like you get this line. Okay, <laughs> that's it. It's a eight weight line. Period. Period. I remember, okay. I remember it was white, and I actually still I I. I Still, I came across that line and that reel probably three years ago. I still had it. Okay. Yeah, it might even still be in my house somewhere. But uh, no, it's you need an eight weight. Maybe there were choices. Right. But he said, here, this is what you're going to get. Okay. And it was probably like 35 bucks. At right. The time. Yeah, back then. Yeah. So, so you get rigged up. Um, you're fishing an eight weight still. Which, what do you, what do you, you I would have never. I, I mean, I'm fishing for panfish. Why didn't right. I have an eight weight? Right. Because that's what Kmart So you, you haven't even broken into any trout fishing at this point up there? No. Okay. Um, no. I, I know I caught my first trout when I was 16 because I know I drove a car there. 
So, so it was all probably right around the same time. Okay. Um, yeah, because so when I went in there and he gave me the eight weight, that was before the line. That was before I worked there. Okay. But I know I drove a car there for that. So it was all kind of happening right around the same time. After I had had the rod for three years, I know I was thirteen when I got it, and I was just riding my bike around. Okay. So, so you get the out of the blue offer. Hey, hey, dude, do you want to work here? Right. And of course, you say, Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So, was this like a weekend gig, an after school gig? It was after school, at least one night a week. I'm pretty sure it was Thursday nights. I would go after school, and there may have been. I was probably there on like Saturdays or something, also. Yeah, but it was it was a regular one, maybe two nights a week, and I'm pretty sure one weekend day as well. And that's that's to, not to get ahead, but to uh, go back. You mentioned fly tying. That's how I ended up learning how to tie flies. Is because they offered a fly tying class on Thursday nights, and I happened to work every Thursday night. And so the guy that was teaching it, a guy named Charlie Gelso, um, he's like, "Well, just sit in. You know, you're here." Might as well just sit in and learn how to tie flies. So that's how I learned how to tie flies. Okay. So you worked this job through to the end of high school? The end of high school, yeah. Okay. And during that time, and what's the name of the fly shop? It was called Wolf's Fly Fishing, but it's long gone. Long gone. Long gone. Okay. So you're there. You um, clearly continue to develop a love for fly fishing. Yeah. Um, became an expert right away. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and how on earth did that happen without Instagram? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's the end of high school, and you're making a decision on what you're going to do with the rest of your life, young man. Yeah. Well, uh, I knew I was going to go west. Um, uh I looked at three schools. I looked at Utah State, University of Utah, and Colorado State. And that was because I knew I wanted to go into fisheries biology, and I wanted to ski a bunch and fish a bunch. So uh, I looked at those three schools, got accepted to all three, and I ended up at Colorado State University in Fort Collins. Okay. So you make the move out to Colorado. Yeah, I was 18. Yeah. You're... Uh were you on the four-year program, or did it... Uh, take... Originally. Okay. <laughs> Ended up being five. Okay. Yeah. That's not... That's it respectable. Yeah. yeah. No, I sort of kind of took some time off, and it, yeah, I graduated. I went out in 1997, and then I, I graduated in 2002. Okay. So, college comes to an end. Um You've got a degree in fisheries biology. Well, uh, you're skipping ahead a little bit. I had I worked at a shop in college too. Okay. Yeah, there was a um, there. There still to this day is a place called Discount Fishing Tackle in Denver, Colorado. I've been there. You have. I have. Well, well before we go any further, tell me your impressions of that place. Um, absolute mayhem. <laughs> um, it's like going to a thrift store. Yeah. That got fucked by a army surplus store, <laughs> yeah. and somebody had a package of fly fishing gear explode <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the fucking party. That's a real. That's the best description I've ever heard. Okay. So, um, I, I actually went there with Scott Wells because he used to work there in at the Denver store. Okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, <laughs> I, I went in there and um, 
God, I can't. It's been a long time ago. And uh, loaded up a fly box with some flies or whatever because I was going to head up to to probably Estes Park or yeah, something. Right. But right, right. Uh, yeah, well, they, the they, they had a satellite store in Fort Collins. Okay. And that's where I worked. Um, throughout most of college, and it it wasn't it was not strictly fly fishing. We sold uh, water dogs and green night crawlers, all kinds of crap. But uh, I worked there through college, so I was still sort of in the mix, right? You know. So when you are finally at that point where it's like you know, okay, young man, you you, you know you're gonna have to strike it off and and start the old life. Um, what does one with a fisheries biology degree uh, I immediately, endeavor to do? I I skipped out on my graduation ceremony to go uh, fish Northgate Canyon on a on a extended trip, and then I immediately uh, or figuratively threw my diploma in the trash can and became a fishing guide in Estes Park, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I uh, had. Basically, no guiding experience. I'd done done some, a few little jobs here and there, but uh, I I must have had a hookup with Estes Angler and Grant. But I went in there and was like, uh, you know, will you hire me? And it's probably May, I guess, since I just graduated. And uh, he's like, sure, man, whatever. Uh, you know, you, you will, you'll take whatever we give you. And somehow I knew, I don't, somebody must have told me this, like, if you want to get started, hang out in the shop. And, and, and I think Grant probably told me this, my boss that, that was running the shop. He's like, okay, you'll, you'll take, you know, your bottom of the list. So if you want anything, you'll either take what you can get or just hang out at the shop. And if you just talk to people coming in and you can sell your own trip, then it's yours. And I had nothing else to do besides fish, and I did plenty of that. But I hung out in the shop and I sold my first trip. Okay. To uh, it was a kid. It was like a high school kid with his parents, and uh, that's that's how I got my first trip. And I mean, I wasn't much older than the kid, you know. So we went. Probably, out. probably pretty relatable that you yeah. know here's here's this high school kid that's like really into fly fishing, wants to go out and fish the Rockies for the first time yeah. or the park or whatever. Exactly. And so. Yeah. And so I sold the trip, and I had no idea what I was doing. But um, we went out. So for, for people that are listening to this that are familiar, I went to. So here you are with a college degree, but no degree from guide school. No, not even <laughs> close. So we went. I took them to the fan. <laughs> and anybody that knows Estes Park or guiding around Estes, yeah, I went to, right to the fan because that's, I mean, that's where you take kids and grandmas. You know, and uh, it was so funny. My very first guide trip, we're in the parking lot, uh, suiting up, and here comes a ranger to come and check us. And uh, and and my sport had his license, and I didn't have my license on me. Like I'm digging through all my stuff, and, like exploding the back of my my car. I had a Jeep at the time, and I I don't know where my license is. And the the ranger literally got the book from his car. It's like two inches thick. And he's like, "Well, I'm checking the book, and there's nothing that really says you need a license. You're not, you're not fishing. You're guiding. There's nothing that says you need a license." And I'm like freaking out, right? Because it's my first guide trip. Oh god! And so it's the kid. I'm with the kid, and his parents are there too. The parents weren't going to fish, right? But they were there, there to document. Yeah, whatever. And and so I'm like, "Oh my god, my first trip is." (laughs) 
a disaster. I'm going to get busted by the park guys. It's in the Rocky Mountain National Park for the listeners. Um, but he literally, like, checked the book, and I was legal. And so we went and did the guide trip, and the kid caught, like, a bunch of fish, and it was great. Awesome. Yeah, it was a success. So at that point, um, are you still thinking about what am I going to do with this degree? Or are you already starting no, to lean I towards? Knew, I knew uh, probably my junior year that I did not want to use my degree. Okay. Yeah. and that, But I was like, I'm this far along. Let's just finish it out. Right. Um, I knew much earlier that I did not want to use my degree because those people are fucking nerds, man. Such fucking nerds, and I didn't want to be in that scene. They're they're not in the field. They're in front of a computer crunching numbers, and they're such nerds. And I've had a lot of people ask me about it. You know, they have kids. They express interest in pursuing a a degree in that. And I've had a. I want to convey to them that, listen, they're you're going to be around a bunch of dorks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I, I need to say that in a nice way right you know what i mean and it's tough but um those some of those some of those people are great but a lot of those people are not my kind of people uh, do you understand what i mean yeah absolutely okay. yeah so so you know you've sold this first trip um which sounds like there's a little flicker a little um you know, the candle has been lit that, that you see that beyond just being on the rotation at the shop and being at the bottom of the list, that with a little bit of uh, gumption and, you know, sales and, and being willing to sell yourself, um, you, you've already got your first trip under your belt, yeah. you know, just by talking to somebody that came through the door. Um, did that really light the fire? And then like you, how did the whole summer go? Fantastic! I was full on. I did a hundred and something trips that summer. Okay. Yeah, I was. I went to number three probably. Okay. Out of probably fifteen or twenty. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Immediately took off. Days off. You're out fishing. I fished every single day, whether I was guiding or not. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I uh, I went the better part of four years with during season, you know, fishing every single day. Whether that's uh, catching a fish behind the shop or going on a trip somewhere or whatever. I, I fished every single day. So there are, there are folks that um, may, you know, not realize it because um, I certainly didn't for the longest time. That there are areas of this lovely planet and especially in this country where you can't fish year round. Right. And you happen to be in one of those places. Well, not only that, but I grew up in a place like that. Okay. In Maryland, they don't have a closed season either. So I'm from Maryland. And then when I moved to Colorado, they don't have a closed season either. So, and and yeah, I, I, I've never lived in a place that had a closed season. I guess more so though, what I'm getting at, it might not be a closed season. Fishable. Fishable. Yeah. So obviously summer, it's booming. But then when the wintertime, I wasn't there. Oh, okay. I I moved. I would do, I would summer in Estes Park and winter elsewhere. So, I mean, you want to hear the whole story? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first summer in Estes Park, I left there probably November. And I went to Hood River, Oregon. And uh, I bought 
Trey Combs' Steelhead book. Do you know that book? No. It's the Bible of steelheading, or at least was 20 years ago. Right. Probably still is. Um, so I moved to Hood River, Oregon, because I had gone on a ski trip there the previous year to visit a friend, and I just I, I just had a fantastic time skiing. I was there for nine days. I didn't even see the sun until the, the last day. It just snowed and snowed and snowed. So I was going to move there, and if you're in Hood River, you're a steelheader. So I went there in November, probably early November, and it just rained and rained and rained. It was warm. Uh, I was hoping to get a job as a lifty at the ski area. The ski area never opened because it was a shitty snow year. And then uh, I just I couldn't make it, man. I, um, I applied at Subway. I applied at McDonald's. I applied at the Safeway. I, uh, I could not find a job for two months. Uh, my brother sent me a check to pay rent. Um, I just couldn't make it. And uh, what was the solution? I left. Came back to I went Colorado. Back to Colorado. And uh, my buddy was living uh, at a guest ranch where his brother worked, and he, I guess, worked, and he was living in an apartment above a restaurant. And I, I went back, and I was just like, "Hey, man, I need to stay on the couch for a couple weeks while I find something to do." And I applied. That was in Tabernash, Colorado. Okay. Uh, outside of Winter Park. And I applied at that ski area. I applied at something in Breckenridge. I applied at ski areas all over. And I remember I got a job with ski school in Breckenridge. And then I got a job with a thing called Sharpshooters in Winter Park, which is like souvenir photography on the mountain. Okay. You know, same thing they have like on the beach. Like, hey, we'll take your pictures and then you come by it later. Right. They have the same thing on the ski hill. So I had those two jobs to pick from. And one was in Breckenridge, and one was in Winter Park. And I was basically already in Winter Park, so I stayed there and got, and I did that job. I, I accepted that job, and I stayed there, and I got a, I got a place to live. Um, and that is, I mean, I live in Tabernash now, <laughs> so I've, I've never left, basically. Okay. I, I, I stayed there, and, uh, and for the first four years, I did winter's, in Winter Park and Summers in Estes Park. And then eventually I, I, I said, fuck it, I'm just going to stay in Winter Park rather than jumping over the hill every six months. Um, so it's pretty amazing. And it, that's, it's, I, I lived, or I, when we were in college, my buddy worked for Devil's Thumb Ranch, which is right down the street from my house now, and I've always had a strong connection to. And uh, it's, I, don't, I, I don't know where I'm going. It's just, it's, it, there's a bit of, serendipity i don't know that i still i live right down the road from there now i live like a mile away from there and is that when okay so after four years of you know going over to estes for summers and you're like yeah i don't really want to make that drive i don't want to go up to estes to work anymore i'm going to work on this side in this valley is that where you went devil's thumb i well i mean i was working at sharpshooters well what do you, well, summertime. you mean in the summertime summertime well, let me think um no, it started, I think, my first summer job. Well, I I was always guiding part-time for Devil's Thumb. Okay. Um, whether I'd come over the hill or not, I always was. No, I, I worked at the ski area. I was a ski area kid. Okay. I, I'm, my, I think my first real summer job over there was I was a mountain bike patroller. Okay. Uh, no, that's not right either. God damn, Larry, I don't even fucking remember. 
Um, no, because I wasn't a bike patroller until I was a ski patroller. Okay, no, that's how... Oh, God, I'm real. I, I don't... I'm confused now. Um, I was always working for Devil's Thumb in at least a part-time capacity. And somewhere along the way, before I made this full-time switch, I went from being a sharpshooter to a ski patroller. Okay. I was a ski patroller at Winter Park. And that led into a summertime job as a mountain bike patroller. But uh, uh, what was I? I'm lost. Okay. Catch, catch me up again. Well, so I'm just trying to track the the progression of being the fly fishing guide. And, you know, you're... You know how how are you staying in touch with that, or are you just working on the ski hill and now you're just no I fishing was, for your own leisure? No, it was it was a guide all the whole time, um, whether that be in a part time or full time capacity. Um, even when I was doing summers over on the east side in Estes Park, I was still coming over to help out at Devil's Thumb every now and then. And then uh, when I transitioned to living in Winter Park full time. I must have been guiding. No, uh, the first summer must. I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's. Okay. Because <laughs> because at some my, point my brain is foggy. Yeah. So so because I know that when you and I actually you know went beyond knowing each other just as you know online you know on a forum and actually met for the first time. And, and developed a personal friendship and, you know, face-to-face friendship, you weren't doing ski patrol. You weren't doing mountain bike patrol. You were lift mechanic. a lift mechanic. Yeah. So I don't know what the gap is in there. And I know that you were – and I, I, I do still remember you even telling me about Devil's Thumb uh, back then. Um, but I would say my perception at that point, knowing you from that point, was you were working for the man yeah. at that point. Yeah. You were kind of like beaten down, working for the fucking man. <laughs> did, did I give that impression off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. It was wintertime. I was in the middle of the <laughs> middle of it. And, uh, you know, and, and at some point, you know, as, you know, happens, sometimes I, you've had enough. I, 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 was a, I, I was a part-time guide. I was a full-time guide. And that just fluctuated for years and years and years. And, and I had these seasonal jobs where I was doing this in the winter and this in the summer. And whether that summertime thing was full-time or not, or fishing, it, it was either, it was, there was always fishing guiding. Right. And then um, I took a job as a, a lift mechanic uh, because I, I liked the stability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the four-day work week. Okay. And I got to ski my ass off. And in, in the in the summertime, I was still guiding. Okay. Because it was a four-day work week, so I was still guiding uh, amongst that. Um, so it was just it, – it worked with my schedule very well. Um, so it was, it's, it was really fluid and kind of all over the place. Okay. And but the continuity through it all I is – I was always guiding. You were always guiding. Yeah. So. Whether it was full-time or part-time. Right. Yeah. And in the, in, in the wintertime, I, I wasn't guiding at all, so I always had a full-time gig in the wintertime. Okay. That was not guiding. Right, right. Because that, that's really – in that economy, 
you have to do that. That's when most of the money's made in the year, right? In that particular town in Winter Park, yeah, yeah. It, the, most of the money comes in the winter time. Um, and uh, also having more than one job was a pretty normal thing for mm-hmm. anybody that wanted to survive there. Right. Let's take a quick break. We're about 35 minutes in. We'll double check how we're doing on all of our stuff. Oh, we're doing great. Yeah, doing we, good on that. Battery. Yeah, then we we don't even have to we don't have to woe up at all. So for anybody that doesn't know, we're we're recording this on video as well. So if you want to watch this on YouTube, you can. Yeah, it'll be uh, available, and you'll find out where. Yeah. Um. So up until this point, you've really found yourself in the fly fishing space as a trout fisherman. Or no, I we started off smallmouth, really. Okay. Yeah. This is back in Maryland. Yeah, we 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 skipped. We over skipped that. a whole. Well, yeah. let's go back. Okay. Let's go. The wayback machine works. Well, the uh, I mean, really, how I started fly fishing. Well, I the first fish I caught was in the in the retention pond in Atlanta, but then at home, I would ride my bike, and we had the. I grew up in Columbia, Maryland. And I could ride my bike to a stretch of the middle middle Patuxent River. And there was smallmouth, bluegill, largemouth, a couple trout, some weird suckers. The first fish I caught on a river on a fly rod was a smallmouth. And that was that's what I really started doing. Uh, I would I would fish there and then I would, there was some ponds that I could also ride my bike to and catch like bluegills and largemouth. But I would I would go down in the middle of Patuxent, and let me get really specific on Harriet Tubman Lane, right by Route 32 in Columbia, Maryland. There's a really great stretch of river there that's probably way different than what I remember. Actually, it is. I was talking to somebody about it the other day, but um, uh, it was smallmouth. Okay. Yeah, woolly worms, woolly buggers, poppers, fishing from the bank, wading. Waiting. Okay. Yeah, waiting, just walking around in uh, like probably flip flops or something. Okay. Actually, no, I had uh, I had wading boots. Yeah, I had wading boots and neoprene waders, which is super appropriate in July. <laughs> <laughs> A little warm. Yeah. Hey, but you're fly fishing. You need. You gotta waders. have waders. And this was before breathable waders. I mean, breathable waders came out in what mid nineties. Uh. Yeah, I think mid '90s. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I got my first pair of Sims like right after they came out. So w- when did when did um, the big movie come out? '92. '92. Yeah, which is I think coincident. I swear I started fishing before the movie came out, but if I do the math, it's the same year. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know if I saw do the movie th- first or not. No, because I saw it on I saw it on TV before I got my first rod, so I knew I okay. was into it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because you know, like, it's interesting where I grew up. We didn't have cable TV. Yeah. Um, and there were very few people that had a satellite dish right. to get cable, cable. pro programming. And back then, a satellite dish was like, you know, bigger than the size of a pickup truck. The whole kitchen over there. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I, I didn't grow up watching ESPN Sports Saturday morning oh, yeah. or whatever. We had cable. Um, so, 
you know, it's interesting to me that you saw this on TV and that's like how you were first exposed to it. I grew up just fishing, um, you know, spinning tackle and, and whatnot. And then it wasn't until I was, you know, well into my adulthood before yeah. I ever picked up a fly rod for the first time. So it's interesting to me to, well, I, to hear I the fi- whole... I fished, but it wasn't fly fishing. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think everybody probably picks up, you know, a worm on a, under a bobber. It was probably the first yeah. thing that most everybody but starts it, out interesting with. Interesting enough, it was my mom that got me into fishing, period. Uh-huh. My, my dad had no clue. Uh, he No interest. Never, well, he just didn't know any... His his father passed away when he was a kid, so okay. I think that probably has something to do with it. My dad had no idea about anything about fishing, so my mom took me fishing when I was you know four or five years old, and then on up. But she got me into it originally. But yeah, it was it was ESPN. Wow. Um. So at some point, you would have to say that you know fishing's become obviously a, a really big part of who you are, yeah. uh, specifically fly fishing. Um, you know, whether it's professionally, um, you're guiding your, your time off as being consumed by it. At what point did you say to yourself, I want to get my first boat? Oh. Um, I don't think I ever had that feeling until my wife came home with a boat one day. Um, yeah, I I never really had that driving urge. I was just a wade fisherman, and I was perfectly content doing that. I'd been in boats a few times, so my my wife. Well, at the time she was not my wife, but uh, she w- she had been a raft guide. She was a rafter. And then uh, my mom knew this guy that owned a rafting company, and it was on my my, my mom lived in the same lived in Winter Park also, and uh, a good deal came up on a on a raft, a very bare bones raft, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody ran it by me, but my mom brought it up to my girlfriend at the time, and uh, and then she had some money because she's good with money and I'm not. And she spent 1500 bucks on a boat. And I came home from work to one day and she's like, Hey, I bought a boat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I never expressed. I, I mean, we had maybe talked about it. Right. No, I didn't know how to row a boat or anything. She, your wife fly fishes. Mm, she did. A little she, bit. She does. Yeah. She yeah. used to a lot more, but she doesn't much now. But yeah, she, at the time. Was, was that the, the motivation for getting no, the boat at the time or she just likes to raft? Both, yeah. She it was just to have a raft. Okay. It wasn't to, to fish out of. Okay. And it wasn't a fishing raft at all. Okay. It, it was just a, the rubber boat, a, a basic rowing frame and a cooler and a dry box. And that's the same boat I still have right now. So when you saw the boat for the first time, what did you see it as? A fishing boat. All right. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to fish out of it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, I had rowed a little bit, but I'm going to have to learn how to row this thing because our daily floats have class three rapids. Right. Know? So um, I'm going to have to learn how to row it. Now, the first time we took that boat out, I had my wife and then my friend and one of her friends. And before we went through Needle's Eye, the first rapid, I like pulled over and had like a serious talk with everybody. Like, 
Listen. Safety briefing. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to go for this. uh, Just to let you know, if I fuck this completely up and crash the boat, I warned you. (laughs) Everybody decided to stay in? Yeah, everybody stayed in, and we made it through just fine. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she bought the boat, man. Yeah, she's she's done all the best decisions for me in my whole life. So so, at that point, you were like, okay, just got promoted to uh, wife material. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, we we already knew it was going that way anyway. Right. No, I think what was going through my head at the time is okay. We need to uh, make this boat more suitable for fishing. Yeah, because it had some feet like the I don't. The, the oars had pins and clips, which you probably don't know what that is. It's uh, it's a way that the oars are, like, fixed. You can't bring them in and out. Okay. You can't shift the oars, and you can't spin them. Okay. Or feather them. Um, so I had to I had to make adjustments to the boat right off the bat that even in my minimal knowledge, I knew would be good for what I wanted to do with the boat and to be able to fish with the boat. Um, and, for, and we didn't have a trailer. Um, I had a Subaru. She had an Explorer. And for years and years, we would break it all down and roll it up and put it inside and on top of the vehicle. And that's just how we did it. And it was a big production. You get there, you have to it, pump it, it up. It was and, and it wasn't. I got it down pretty fucking quick, dude. I could have that thing. So we. this is when we were poor and we couldn't pay for a shuttle. So we'd bring, and we couldn't fit enough people in the vehicle because we could only fit two people because we had all the shit in the back. So we'd bring two vehicles anyway. So by the time they were done with the shuttle, I had the boat ready. It would take me 20 minutes. And I was, I was pumping it up at first by hand, and then we got an a, a electric pump. And then, but by the time they were back with the shuttle, I had the boat ready to go. Yeah. And, uh, and we go catch some fish with that thing. It's a 1991 high side. I've had it for, I still have it. It's at my house, and it's still my main fishing boat. Um, so it's a 31-year-old it's, raft. It's crazy, right? This, then this raft actually has a crazy history as far as whitewater. We got it from a guy that owned a rafting company in the valley, uh, but it, it was a fleet boat for like a year, and then he took it as his personal boat. The boat has been down the Grand Canyon four times. It's been down Gore Canyon, which is a crazy uh, Class 5 float right where we are. Um, I actually have video of that. And it went down, It went down, for anyone that knows, it went down Gore Canyon as an oar boat, not a paddle boat. And it's a 14-foot boat. It's done the Middle Fork. It's, I've done Lodore. It's done every major whitewater float in the West, all of them. Um, and, yeah, like I said, Grand Canyon four times. And then the boat basically went into retirement with me, and it's just a fishing boat. But I still get sporty with it. Like mm-hmm. I class threes all the time. Went done, done some class fours with it, um, and I changed the boat completely. It's got wood floors in it, full fishing frame, anchor. I've changed it completely. Um, and then uh, my, I've had the boat for ten, twelve years, and I thought I was going to have it forever because it will fucking last forever you can throw that thing off the fucking off a cliff and it'll be fine but uh my time with that boat is coming to an end and i know that so i'm trying to be trying to kind of enjoy my last times with it i thought this time next year that boat will belong to somebody else and, and it's cool because that boat's old as fuck but someone else is going to get just as much use out of it as i have because it's right. that it's it's that well built you know it's just such a bomber boat it wow. weighs a million pounds, but 
you can go go anywhere with it. Now, in the 10, 12 years you've had it, um, pretty much the same milk run that I've done with you um, for, for the most part. Like, that's the... That's our bread and butter. That's your bread and butter. Uh, I take it to Utah a lot. Um, we'll do, we do A, B, and C on the green, and then I've done Gates of Lador a couple times in it. I'll take it down uh, and float the lower Colorado, down around Glenwood. Um, but, you know, nine and a half times out of ten, it's, you know, right in the backyard. Right. And the stuff that we've done together. Yep. Yeah, because uh, my trailer wheels are like 10-inch wheels, so I don't like to trailer it real far because you can't, you got to go, I mean, I shouldn't even go. I shouldn't be going sixty-five, but I go seventy, and uh, it's I, so. If you're trying to take it up to Montana or something, it's going to take you forever to get there. Right, you got to slow down. Yeah, like I want to take it over to the White in Arkansas, but I don't want to drive I seventy the whole way. It's sixty-five miles an hour when the speed limit's seventy-five. You know. Right. Yeah. So, you've got a new boat on the horizon. Yeah, well, we have one boat that's being built currently, and then I have another boat that's on deck, and then I got like four more boats behind that. But, I mean, you want to talk about what I got working right now? Yeah, let's talk about the big family ride. Okay, so what we do is my my boat right now pulls double duty. It's a family truckster, and it's a fishing boat. It does both of those things pretty well. But we're going to diversify and get the family boat that does that perfectly and the fishing boat that does that perfectly. And what I'm doing first is the family truckster. Um, I, uh, I, we bought the rubber, and then I have uh, entered into a partnership with a company called Downriver Equipment in Denver, Colorado. <sighs> Excuse me. I am an ambassador for Downriver Equipment. They're a fantastic company. Um, please give them your business. So they're going to build out the frame on that boat. And so what that means is they're going to build the fishing frame for it, um, which I'm incorporating some custom features on that that aren't normally found on boats. But we're taking – it's a 16-foot boat, which is big. Normally a fishing boat would be 13 or 14 feet. Um, I have two kids and my wife – and then also on all of our family trips, my mom comes. So I've got three adults and two kids. Now we have a dog. And I've got to fit all these people and all our shit in the boat. All of our shit goes in the back. So I've got to fit all these people in front. So that's why we need the bigger boat. So all these opportunities came up. And I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to get a custom frame. Like, this is our opportunity to get whatever we want on this boat. We can design the frame for whatever we want. These guys will build it for us. So I'm, I'm, I'm all excited for this feedback from my wife and my mom. Like, what do you guys want in the boat? And they're like, oh, you know, same thing. <laughs> Umbrella know? stand. Yeah. I'm like, no, whatever we have is good. Like, the, just the same as the old boat is good. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, give me some ideas here. Right. But they didn't have any ideas, and they still don't. But so what I'm going to do is, like, we use the, like, the lean bars in the front, you mm-hmm. know? So it has horns, and it has a, ba- a stripping basket. The stripping basket isn't for fly line. It's for kids' water bottles and toys and all kinds of just shit that you have up there with all the kids. So 
we're going to have the stripping basket. The horns, they hang their backpacks off of it. They they have adapted the fishing boat to do what they want it to do, so we're going to get the same thing. And it's just going to be a really big... Much bigger version Big of version, which I've never... More room. Se- yeah, I've never seen a 16-foot boat with a fishing frame, but we're going to have one. And then now what we have on the back of the our other boat is there's a single seat on the back, mm-hmm. you know? Swivelly seat, anchors underneath... Um, this boat's going to have something different that I've never seen before. We're going to have two seats on the back. And so, because it's wider, there's more mm-hmm. room. We're going to have two swivel seats on the back, which I've never seen done before. Um, so that's one thing that's different. And it'll have the lean bars back there and everything. And then, so downriver, I don't think they really realize how useful I'm going to be for design yet. <laughs> but they're going to know. And they've they've also, they've already been kind of, you know, tweaking an eyebrow to this, the the design of this boat. But the other day, I brought in a foot cleat. You know what a foot cleat uh-huh. is, right? You see them in drift boats and stuff. Yeah. Well, the whole time I've had my fucking boat, I'm like, the anchor system is is great. It's better than NRS systems. It, it's better the the DRE system anchor system is better than any other boat. But I know a way that can really improve it, and so. Without you know drawing a picture, I'm going to put a foot cleat in up on the kick bar in front of me when I'm rowing between my feet, and so it's going to be a hands-free drop anchor. And then when I pull anchor, it's just going to be right there between my legs. And it, I think it's I think it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a game changer. As much as I hate using that term with anything related to fly fishing, <laughs> right, right. But uh, so I brought in a foot cleat. And I'm like, listen, I got this foot cleat. Put it on the frame. Like, there's there's bolt holes for it. You could put U-bolts on there, but I, I want you to weld it to the frame. Um, and that's still, they haven't, they, this happened, you know, two days ago, so it's, it's still a work in progress. But mark my words now, that's going to become standard shit on raft frames because it just makes so much fucking sense. Um, and it's hard. So the other the other way it went through came from the back of the boat through a pulley up on the kick bar, and it would come back, and basically by my right butt cheek it would go in a cleat that was next to my cooler, and you that's how you seat the anchor rope. But it's always getting fucked with by the cooler, and it was kind of a pain in the ass. Or if I have my Paco pad laid out over the cooler that I sit on, I would have to lift it up to access the anchor, and it's just, it wasn't a good system. And I've always seen these foot cleats, and I'm like, God, that just makes so much sense. Where am I going to put it in the raft? I'm not going to put it on the floor, because the floor moves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it right here in front of me between my legs, where my feet are, and I think it's going to be fabulous. And sure enough, I brought it into the shop, and those guys had never even seen a foot cleat. They were like, what is this? I, what, oh wow! They, so there's that much disconnect between the raft world and the drift boat world. It's well, it's it's not necessarily raft and drift boat. It's rafting versus fishing, boating. It's uh, whitewater rafting versus fishing. Boat. Uh, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and because and that shop has nothing to do with drift boats at all. Right. You know. Um, so it's. I brought that in there, and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, I like this. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm sure they're going to take my idea and make it better. Because right now, they're adapting the foot cleat to the raft. Right. DRE's shop and all their capabilities, 
I, I have a feeling they're going to end up making a better product us- sure. using this concept. You've kind of given them the... The idea. The beginnings the, of it. The nucleus. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to be working with them along that process, ideally. You know, so... Um, so this boat's going to have some interesting features. It's got the two seats in the back. It's got a foot cleat. I'm going to put a bimini on it. Um, let me plug Cataract Oars really quick. I have a relationship with relationship with Cataract Oars. They uh, approached me recently about making uh, rod tubes for rafts to carry rod tubes, which is something that I've struggled with forever. Uh, I have yet to meet a design that really works well. They all kind of work okay or kind of suck a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't met one that just is great. And so they approached me w- looking for some input and ideas, and I gave it right back. To- well, he's like, are you interested in working with, with us on this? And I immediately fired back like a full page email with all kinds of, sh- like, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, and consider this. Um, so, And we haven't gotten a product there yet, but, uh, but that's going to be something else that's coming down the line that we're going to incorporate into these boats that... I mean, I think so. It could be a huge innovation. I think so, man. And I don't know what that is, but it's going to be huge. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what that is yet. I had more of a vision for my frame components Uh than I do for the uh, the rod tubes. If I knew what to do for rod tubes, I would have done it myself, right? You know. But I, I'm, I don't know the solution. And I told him that I'm like, listen, this is a problem that needs to be solved. So. I had straight PVC pipe on top of my frame. They were in the way. But the biggest problem was that trailering the boat, they would fill full of grit and sand and dirt and shit because we're always driving on dirt roads. Mm-hmm. And then you slide your rod in there, it just beats the shit out of your rod, just just destroys the finish of the rod. Right. And so that was my main problem with my design on top of the frame. Everybody else's rod tubes go on the side of the boat below the frame and they bend to the contours of the out of the perimeter of the boat. But I don't really like that design a lot. Cause I always feel like I'm going to hit a rock and rip the fucking tube off or I'll brush up against something and just rip the thing off. And they're down below the, uh, they're not gunnels, but they're, you know, down right. on the side of the boat mm-hmm. and they're kind of a pain in the ass to get to. So there needs to be a better design. Right. And uh, I'm currently working with Cataract to to make try to manifest that. Yeah, to make a better design. And now, what? Ultimately, I think the probably the best option. They're gonna have to be down along the sides. I I think so. But we're gonna work through it. Um, But I love working with companies like that that are open to my input from the the get go. You know, rather than trying to adapt my ideas to a design they already have, they're open to something totally new. Totally from scratch. Yeah, totally from scratch. Gotcha. And and because they don't know what they're doing, and I, not that I do either, but I have some ideas, and I know... Well, and the, it's the art of collaboration. Yeah. You got somebody that recognizes, hey, 
he probably has some ideas because he's been on the water so much. Or, or, or even if he doesn't have ideas, he knows what he likes and doesn't like. There you go. Yeah. And you're willing to articulate that. Yeah. I can't I can't maybe necessarily come up with a concept, but I can give you a thumbs up or thumbs down. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, also, I realize that not everybody has my opinions, and what is valuable to me is not necessarily valuable to other people or, or priority. Right. You know? But we're working together. But I really think it's going to be some cool stuff. You know, the the raft frames especially, man. And so there's this other gap in the market of, like, the sneak boat. I call it the sneak boat, where we need a boat that we can take over a fence. And we need a boat that we can launch and float places with no boat ramps. And there's typically a fence or some bushes you got to carry over or something like that. And there, there, in the last several years, there's been a trend towards smaller two-man rafts. Like the little stealth craft had one. Well, those... Fly craft. Yeah, those, they, they, they're two-man rafts that claim to be three-man rafts, but they're not. And also, those boats can't handle whitewater. We need boats that can handle real whitewater. Okay. Yeah, and those people are going to claim they can handle Class 3 rapids. Uh, I'm here to tell you... You'll make it through, but you're not going to be real dry, and they're not really suited to that. If you want to go float the Holston, great. You know, fine. If you want to go float Western Rivers with whitewater, it's not going to be appropriate. So we need a boat that can handle more whitewater that I can throw over a fence. Now, they have those boats. They're 10-foot rafts. With that, you have a, a, It's a two-person raft. You have a guy rowing and a guy in front. But what we've been fishing out of in the last few years is a, a cataract. It's a pontoon raft mm-hmm. with an open floor. Right. And I, uh, there are disadvantages to the open floor. I drop my weed pipe in the water, you know, shit like that. But the advantages to the open floor far outweigh the disadvantages in that you can flintstone. You can put your feet down. And you don't need an anchor because I got my feet down on the bottom. Or if I need to pull over real quick and retie something, I don't need to drop anchor or beach the boat. I just pull over to the edge of the river and put my feet down and stand up. And I hold the boat there while I'm standing. So the for the sneak boat, the, the pontoon boat or the cataract is the way to go. But they don't – the boats that are out there that are geared towards fishing are not beefy enough. We've, we keep breaking the frames – um, there are some other design flaws. Mostly it's the frame. The frame mm-hmm. is not beefy enough. Right. So what I want to do with Downriver is get them to either design or adapt some existing whitewater cataract tubes into a fishing frame. That's it is, It'll be like a 12-foot boat probably, but it'll be a two-person boat that we can pick up and throw over a fence or you know throw in the back of a pickup truck or something like that. And... That niche has already been filled by rafts, but I think the cataract is a much better tool. And like I said, so they have these boats already available, but they're geared solely towards whitewater with no fishing in mind at all. And so what I'm hoping to do with DRE is design fishing frames for these tubes in these boats, and we'll turn this model into a fishing boat. And it's going to be the fucking best thing ever. And you don't need an anchor. You don't, and it's better than a raft, in my opinion. I think probably not everybody agrees with that. So this is for smaller water. Smaller water. Okay. Or just anywhere where access is more difficult, where you need to pick up and carry the boat. 
you can't. You're, it's not on a trail. Well, it may be on a trailer, but you're not backing it into a launch landing boat ramp. Put in, take out. <laughs> <laughs> I think you covered them all. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'm really excited about, um, and I and they're pretty receptive to working with me on that. Cool. Yeah. So, I would imagine that the door at DRE um, and at Cataraft have been opened through what you're doing on YouTube. Yes. So, you know, we've talked a bit about, you know, been the careless Ethiopian years and obviously a little over two years ago. Right. Where the heck did huge fly fishermen come from? Let's pause for a break. All right. Get back to it. Sounds good. Caught a 22 bullet in my thigh one night Trying to break up a barroom fight Went home, dug it out with my old case knife I broke down in a blizzard on the Great Divide Walked 20 miles till I caught a ride The trooper said, boy, it's a wonder you're still alive Life is good. So, so, so I believe you left off with kind of the yeah. Birth. Let's talk about the transformation and the birth of of the YouTube. The well, it it really of the huge. Yeah. So so huge happened and First. huge. Yeah, huge definitely predates YouTube. Uh, unofficially, yes. Officially, no. So huge really started. Um, <clears throat> so it actually started. With the Drake, right in in a signature. Do you remember? So like, uh, yeah, at the bottom of at the bottom of yeah. your post, it has uh-huh. a little tagline, and you know, mine went through constant evolution, which I think a lot of people do. Um, but eventually, it said, "I'm a huge fly fisherman" as my little tagline because I thought it was funny. Cause, right, you know the you know, um, especially with the uh, sense of humor around that place. Yeah, but um, but to 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 make it. To really break it down for people that might not know, um, you know, it's you meet uh, Joey down the street and he finds out you're a fly fisherman. And you go, "Oh, my cousin's a huge fly fisherman. You guys should fish together." That's right. You know that we've all heard that a million times. Mm-hmm. That's where it came from. So I just thought it was tongue in cheek. I'm a huge fly fisherman, and uh, it was the tagline or signature for a while. And then one day, I was like. It was probably late at night after many beers. I was just like cracking myself up. <laughs> I'm like, this is funny. I made I made some stickers, right? And uh, I did a run of probably a couple hundred stickers, and I advertised them through my careless Ethiopian Instagram. Excuse me. Burping's part of my videos anyway, so it's all good. Um, and I gave them away. They were free. I was like, these are hilarious. If if you want stickers, give me an address. And I'll send them to and you. I will send them to you. And I think I did. The, I mean, the first run of a couple hundred went you know, immediately. And then I probably did another run for free. And then I started charging for them. And that was for a boat fund. That was for a boat fund. Yes. That's right. And we can talk about that. That boat fund ended up being used for something else, which I was transparent with, with my 
followers. Um, but uh, it went to a cash sales. <laughs> I'm like, if you mail me money, I will mail you stickers. So I was getting cash, cash in, in the, the mail. mail. You were doing that too for a while, weren't you, with stickers? No, we always did uh, Venmo. Venmo. Okay, so yeah, yeah. this was before I had figured out Venmo. <laughs> like, yeah. Mail me single dollar bills in the mail, <laughs> and I will <laughs> mail you stickers. And it actually went really well. Right. And then I'm, eventually I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. All right, look, there's a thing called Venmo. Right. <laughs> so so I actually, here in the double wide, in a drawer somewhere, I still have an envelope with... The OGs? With complete OGs that are naked. Yeah, no branding. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then I've got Evolution 2, where it has Careless Ethiopia, yes. at Careless Ethiopia. Those are much more common. Uh, yeah, but I've got, I've probably got 10 or 12 of the completely unbranded are you ones. kidding me no I, you have those yeah wow yeah i see i don't have any see I, i'm they're it, very rare yeah well and like i i am a fucking whore when it comes to stickers i'm the same way pal and yeah. and i've got just boxes know, and boxes yeah, yeah and like like the 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 some of my most fun afternoons are like i'm looking Digging for there. well i'm looking for yeah. something else oh. and and all of a sudden, I like open a box. I'm like, "Holy shit!" And I start I going that. And and I start going through like, yeah, I find like this little trove of stickers. Yes. Yes. And it's like, "What's in this envelope?" I and know. I open it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, these are fucking Ben stickers <laughs> with nothing on them." No way. And so like, you know, then I'm like, I'll squirrel them away to like a spot, and, and now I forget hit, about them. Well, yeah, now I've, I've, I've fucking hidden them from myself. But I know, it, I, I, in my mind's They're eye, super rare. Dude. I know what what the envelope looks like, and I know what's in there. Those are probably three years old now. Yeah, I think or more. Yeah, or more. Probably a little more. Those are very rare. So it went from no branding at all, like no on the bottom right corner. Now they say huge fly fisherman. So it went from nothing to the careless Ethiopian, right? And then now they say huge fly fisherman. But that's crazy that you still have. Well, you know, and 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 what's crazy is you know, you know, I can pick up the phone or I can text you, um, but you know. I was probably still sending you DMs for a good six months to Careless Ethiopian, not knowing that <laughs> and you I had, had like, abandoned yeah, it. That you, and I'm like, wait a second, how the fuck does this work? You know? no, like, that son of a bitch won't answer. You're juggling three Instagram accounts. I couldn't handle two. I had to separate. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. And it's I had to. So the Careless Ethiopian account was not family friendly. And I'm, my YouTube thing is family friendly, so I just had to commit. Right. I couldn't do both at the same time. Just on, a, I could just couldn't handle it. And I had to fully commit to selling out and becoming everything that I loathe and and, and doing. I, I I it's not really everything that I loathe, but I had to fully commit to huge. So I abandoned the other account. So so walk us through, you know, so. We've gone from the signature line on right. an abs- a very obscure, very quirky fly fishing, but extremely popular and successful. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, by no means am I trying to diminish the Drake oh, message no. board. Like it's, um, oh, that's what you're talking. Yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, what I'm saying is, you know, it, it comes from, you know, the Drake message board, which is very. Or during during its heyday, very quirky, very clickish. Yeah, yeah, it was. 
but very, very valuable in the friendships that a lot of us had made. I could spend an hour just talking about that. Oh, I could spend hours. Yeah. Um, Everything that we have right now, I owe to the Drake message. I agree. I agree. All the people that I know, all the connections, everything traces back to that. 100%. 100%. And it's and it's weird because um, uh, I don't think that can be replicated. Like, if you're trying to do something like down, that now and make those types of connections with people, I don't think you can do it. I don't uh, think so either. And, and a lot of people are probably looking at the, the monitor or they're, they're, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to it, and you're scratching your head going, what, what, what is that? And why was it so special? And you couldn't rip, you know, here, here's an example. Um, like I previously said earlier, you would meet someone that you had just flown five hours across the country, gotten into a rental car, driven to a place you'd never been before to meet somebody that you don't know their fucking name (laughs) and you're going to share a fucking hotel room with them for the purposes of going fishing in a place that you've never been before. And my wife would be like, what (laughs) are you going to meet a serial killer (laughs) or a rapist? (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 it never was that. No. Um, and, it was a vetting process. There was a very, and it was the most obscure vetting there process. There were no rules. There were. There was no guidelines. Yeah. So anyway, it, it, it it's hard to talk about. It's hard to explain, other than say it was. It, it's really like this weird. I was thinking, how would you put it? It's like this weird generation. Yeah, of, it was generational. Generational it was a thing of time where that yeah. was the it was it was pre Facebook, Instagram, and it was a way for everybody to connect. Um, but it, it, it and and I struggle because people we have such a fantastic, robust network of people mm-hmm. that we're lucky enough to be a part of, and people I think are looking for that today, and they ask me how be a part of something like that. And I don't have a good answer for them. I wish I could say, oh, just message people on Instagram. But it's not, not the really same. like that. No. Um, what the Drake Forum did was it gave us an opportunity to present ourselves through trip reports mm-hmm. or commenting or whatever. It could You could put yourself out there to be evaluated. Um or, you know, you get a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You, they either love your shit or hate your shit or are indifferent to your shit. But um, it, was a more, it was a smaller community. Mm-hmm. And those people were operating at a decently high level, right. I think. Where as Instagram, you don't know what fucking asshole you're going to get. Right. And who the fuck this fucker is. And, and there's no vetting process at all. So when we would meet somebody through the Drake... They had already met this person and this person and this person. So if they they've were been vouched for, they've been vouched for. So if they were a complete fuckhead, they wouldn't be invited or they wouldn't be there in the first. If place. they were that guy, if they that, that and that guy is actually a guy. Yeah, but yeah, uh, if they were that guy, they would be fuck we- that guy. They'd, they'd be weeded out, right? And the platforms that are in place today 
don't have that. Uh, so is it fair to say that there was there's a transformation between hey man my my cousin fly, he's a huge fly fisherman you should meet him you should fish to kind of like it's a descriptor of kind of this evolution of fly fishing and it's somewhat tongue in cheek. Uh, but there are certain qualities that make someone a huge fly fisherman, whether they realize it or not. And that's the personification that you're going for with like, when did you say, this is what I'm going to do with this YouTube channel. And, and there's gotta be some kind of idea of where it was going to go. There still is, there never has been or is still no idea of where it's going to go. But are you asking how that became, became kind of the brand? Yeah. And I mean, because it, it's because, and, and, and I ask it from the standpoint of knowing and having seen some of the inability of anglers. <laughs> To get what it means, and and they get pissed. They think they're being insulted. And when you say, "Well, you don't," you know, I mean, it, you don't get it. You don't get it. Yeah, you, you don't understand it. You're not following, and there's no way to explain it to you. No, and, and that it, well, because it, it doesn't really. It's pretty ambiguous, and it doesn't really mean a thing. Mm -hmm. It only means something if you get it, and and that does that could mean a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. It could mean whatever you want it to mean. But let me let me back up a little bit. When I decided to take it kind of to the next level and start a YouTube channel, I was already sort of known for the huge fly fisherman stickers, mm -hmm. and it just I thought it was just so perfect and and catchy. It just was. Oh, there's no obvious. doubt about it. Like this, it's obvious. Like, well, so so before before I, I I'm pretty sure. This is before you started the YouTube. You were just doing the stickers. Yeah. My wife started making the huge koozies That's just right. to send to That's you. That's right. You know? Yeah. Because it was. It, it was so... It, it was, just made so it much was, sense. It just made so much sense. We all got it. Yeah. We all laughed about it. We knew what it meant. Right. So we're like, fuck, send Ben these koozies, yeah. you know? And, and you know, we're sending you huge, th you know, koozies. We're doing our trashy koozies. And like we're feeding off of it, we're yeah. we're, we're, we're vibing the same totally, thing, totally. And then boom, you're like, I'm gonna start a YouTube channel launch, and we're like, the fuck, w why? <laughs> and what the hell? Well, no, that, no. What the hell's that gonna be? <laughs> that it was more of what's it gonna be? Yeah. Well, um, and and we didn't know either. And so first of all, it was all my wife's idea, the hundred percent. My what? Um, I was at a time in my life. Um, I was sort of in between jobs. I just had a kid. I didn't really, I was a little bit unstable. Um, it, yeah, basically it's job situation. And, and she, she, it was all Helen's idea. You're going to start a YouTube channel. Cause we knew that I had something. Mm -hmm. What that was. You had the beginnings of a brand. We had something, um, you know, I have, a good amount of fishing knowledge and experience. I'm a bit of an asshole. Um, I'm not really funny, but I can draw a reaction from people. Um, 
by poking him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So her idea was YouTube channel. And immediately I knew it was going to be Huge Fly Fisherman. Just right away. It just made so much sense. But um, And whether or not people understand what that means doesn't matter because it means whatever you want it to mean. Ultimately, it's I'm making fun of you. You know, <laughs> you know that's really what it is. It is. Yeah, and myself, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. But th- there are still people out there that don't get it at all. Right. At all. They don't understand what the, the brand means, but they understand what my message is and what my YouTube videos are about. You know, and at this point, it's, you know, just about being ha- having fun with fly fishing and poking fun at the people that take it too seriously. Yeah, why, why be so serious? Man? Yeah, it's fucking fishing, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing this for, for what? For fun. Yeah, you're not solving fucking world peace here or whatever. Yeah. So, so how does Ben Sittig, on the advice of counsel of his lovely bride, that he's going to start a YouTube channel. How, how much experience had you had with uh, video? producing video? Zero. The the first, if you want to see the first video that I've ever edited in my whole entire life, go look at the first video on my channel. <laughs> it's I edited it, it, on, it on my phone. And and it had to be one of the earliest videos. And I don't know if it's even part of the huge. It's on there. Where where you're belly crawling and you're yeah yeah. And it's the first video where I said, "Hey, I'm Ben. I'm a huge fly fisherman." Is it? Yeah. And it's funny. Your wife Shannon. Uh-huh. After I posted that video, she's like, "You need to start every video with that line." And I was like, "Oh, it's already a thing." Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the first video, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I'm like, I'm just gonna go fishing and see what the fuck happens. And I had my phone, I think. You were so excited. Was I? Yeah, you were so excited <laughs> about like what you'd found and you know they're spawning and Well, I did find something exciting that day. Is I actually found a brown a female brown trout spawning with a bunch of male brook trout, mm-hmm. which is pretty unique for that area of the country or in general, and I still have never seen anything like that. Right. Um it was a pretty weird day of fish. I think I caught one six inch brook trout that day. And it's so funny because that video is actually pretty fucking high on the list of my most watched videos. Right. And it I just find it baffling. So so what was your first clue that you were on to something? Uh, when Orvis shared a video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was probably my th- second or third one. There's one that's called uh, uh, Fly... F- it's like Nymph Rigs Explained, I think is uh-huh. what it is. And uh, I put the video out there, and, and uh, Ben Furick, Porno Mike's brother, uh-huh. he sent me a message and was like, dude, Orvis shared your video. I'm like, no fucking way. And... Uh, and, uh, I mean, shout out to Orvis. They have shared almost every single video I've ever made since that one. So when, when they picked it up and shared it on Facebook or whatever, we were that was a pretty happy day in our household. Uh-huh. We had like 3,000 views or something. Right. Yeah. And that was a big deal. No, I, a, rem- I can remember deal. having phone conversations yeah. with you about this. Yeah. And it's such a shitty video. Like, the content is great, but the audio is fucking dog shit. And... Yeah, there's a there's a million things that could be better, but that's that was a big deal. 
Right. That's when you're like, mm, something could happen here. Yeah. And it was immediately, man. Like, I mean, it's like my third video. And so r- right away, we're like, we need a regular upload schedule. So that was like a couple, two, three weeks into it. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so it was, it was successful right away, which opened my eyes and made me take it a lot more seriously. Right. And also just impressed me. Almost killed our friendship. Did it? Um, I, I think that's a little extreme, but... <laughs> Uh, you came down and... Oh, there were so many awkward moments on that trip. And, you know, I know that there was that one point where a fish was coming. Like, we had been oh. fucking struck. <laughs> okay, we had been okay. riding the struggle where, bus. I know where you're going. Trying to find fish. <laughs> and suddenly, here's this fucking bank crawler, you know, half out of the water. And you were like, oh, hold on. I need to adjust the fucking camera. And the fish, like, blew up. And, like, you know, and having been the guy on the back of the boat, it was summertime. I'm fucking hot, fucking sweaty, fucking pissed now because, you know, we've invested all this time and effort to get way back in this backcountry spot. And we finally have a shot at a fish. And your priority was a fucking, like, you know, well, GoPro chesty or whatever. That's, that's the reality. And and I would say there was, like, four, a good 45 minutes of just fucking pin drop silence. <laughs> we get, we, 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 were, we were pulling down the east wall, and uh, the uh, we could hear the waves breaking. And <laughs> on the other on side. On the other side of the yeah. dunes. And we got all the way to the other end, and I think I was like, Let's just pull stop. over here and stop. Let's just stop. And we sat, and then we did like a couple little interview clips or whatever, yeah. and that like cleared the air. Got you know, it, nothing was ever said about you know. And you're like, hey, let me pull you for a little bit. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, give me a little spell off the polling platform. But I, I I tell that story. I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, when Ben first started this, oh, you know, nearly show. you know, total shit show. You but, were you were one of the first victims, right. of this, and and. It's come to a point like, you know, earlier today, we were on the water um, and, and it's become second nature now. It's like, hey, if Ben's coming in, we're going to be doing some of this. Like, yes. You know, it's, it's something you have to deal with when you're fishing with. Me. Well, and and yeah. I'll even say beyond dealing with it, I actually enjoy, Good. you know, like I've done it with you in Colorado. I've done it with you here. Well, um, like today when you were like, hey, let's stop. Put the drone up. I'm like, yeah. fucking great. Oh, perfect. Nobody ever says this. Right. And, and I was thinking that for 30 minutes before you said that. I right. was like, this would be so great for the drone. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I get what you're doing. Um, Not everybody and, does. And, 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 you know, that's kind of the story that we're looking at and that we're telling here is the transformation of this pastime this lifestyle that you have till suddenly you realize by happenstance because you're fucking trying to come up with the perfect signature line (laughs) and it turns into a bumper sticker that turns into, you know, a video series. And I've said it on the podcast. I I say it to, to people in real life all the time. I love people that have hustle and it's your hustle not just yours, but Helen's as well, that you guys recognized an opportunity and you've seized on it. So 
if I can support that by taking a fucking a break and saying, hey, let's do this. This is going to help you out. And and that's kind of, you know, the vibe that, that I feel that really the nexus for that is all the way back to the, the days of the Drake Absolutely. message board. Absolutely. Because everybody lifted each other up back there. Yeah. Now, to the most casual observer, we were a pack of fucking animals. Assholes. Assholes. Yeah. But the truth is, not even close. Right. So. No, we're a brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm stepping all over your time. No, so, it's fine. So, no, it's great. Um, I thought of like 27 things I wanted to say there. But, um, you know, jump in. I mean, it, it's it's this, I mean, to hear you describe your early videos now is just fucking They're making so me laugh. Bad, dude. And you were there for a lot of them. Right. You were in them. You're yeah. Like, so I think, I think what I'm doing now is just an evolution of what we were doing on the Drake. Trip reports, mm-hmm. you know. So we would we'd put a put a uh, YouTube song at the beginning. Uh-huh. Have your photos there and kind of tell a story. Yep. And what I'm doing now is is not exactly the same, but it's just an evolution of that. I'm not a storyteller. I'm not I'm not telling stories like a lot of guys are with their videos or films. I, I feel weird calling what I do films, but it is definitely an evolution of what I was doing before. Um. And then sort of a jump here, it is, it is definitely uh, a lot of, you said this is part of what Helen is doing too, is, and Helen likes to describe this as uh, her small business that runs itself. Okay. And it's absolutely that. It's all her idea. It's her brainchild. She's the driving force behind everything, but I'm the one doing everything. <laughs> right. And I think it's amazing. Um, and it's working. So, so you know... <clears throat> You you have no video editing experience, zero. But you've clearly you know slowly we're getting better, getting better. It's pretty rudimentary. But my question to you is, how did you come up with, or is it just by happenstance that you came up with your editing style? Because you're very distinctive in the fly fishing space. The cadence, the the you've kind of backed off on the music a little bit. Um, I feel. Yeah, but the early on, what really grabbed me with your stuff is just the really rapid fire, quick. It's because I'm I don't have a, my attention span is shit, dude. I can't even watch my videos. Okay, any video I watch on YouTube, you lost me in the first thirty seconds. Okay, you lost me already, mm-hmm. even if it's a fishing video or what. So it's purely out of. Can I stand to watch this shit? Okay, no, because it's too fucking slow. So that's why it's so quick and choppy and jumpy. Um, it just has to be fast. The, the, you watch these videos, and it's like some guy making four drifts in a trout stream over and over. I'm oh. like, what the fuck, dude? Just yeah. cut that shit out. Show me you catching the fish. Right. You know? So that's or fighting the fish too fucking long. It's like, I don't need to watch you standing in your kayak exactly. for 10 minutes. Exactly. So that's where it comes from. Like, I want to see you maybe make the cast. Mm-hmm. I want to see you hook the fish. I don't want to see you land the fish and release a fish. That's it. Yeah. And so that's kind of where that it can comes be accomplished from. in thirty seconds <laughs> or ten <laughs> or ten. <laughs> yeah. So that's where it comes from for me. And I, a lot of people don't like that editing style. I've been accused of giving people seizures with my videos, <laughs> but um, and understandable. Uh, but I just come at it with the attitude of what would I want to watch, right? You know, and, and, 
And honestly, there there's not a fly fishing YouTuber out there, myself included, where I'm not bored in the first minute. So I'm just trying to fight that the whole time. Right. You know, does that make sense? Like the whole time, the whole time, like you're putting the videos out, you're like, how in the fuck are people watching this? <laughs> it mystifies me, man. Well, it, well, it goes back to what we were saying today, like what I'm doing now with a, just drinking a beer with me. I was about to say. <laughs> like it's wildly success, successful and it just mystifies me. Right. <laughs> like So I just needed to fill some time at the end of my videos to get to eight minutes so I could monetize the video and make more money off of it. So I just fill that time with me drinking a beer and talking random shit at the camera like oh so how many times did you pick your nose today (laughs) (laughs) right right and people fucking love it they love it so because it's real so there's there's the the mystery and the charm of youtube Comment sections. Oh God! Mystery of all and charm. Of, that's putting it really well, nicely. Well, very tongue in cheek because you know, you know who, I have heard that of all social media it's the and the worst. And and I don't even really consider YouTube quote unquote social media. I do. But holy fuck, it's got a reputation. It's the most wicked fucking. Phil Phil Monahan from Orvis said to me one time, "YouTube comments are the sewer," <laughs> and I thought. I've I've repeated I've been repeating that ever since. It's just perfect. Now see, I watch probably ninety nine point nine percent of my YouTube consumption happens on the TV. Right. So you don't see the comments. So I don't see the comments. Yeah. Um I don't have the YouTube app on my phone. I think I should get it. Yeah. Um and because I think I'm missing out. Um it depends, man. I don't think all YouTube comments and phishing are, are what I have. You go look at the other people. I attract these people because I'm poking them. I'm right. asking mm-hmm. for it. Right. I mean, you go look at some of my uh, com- colleagues, and they don't. their comment sections are not anything like mine okay. at all. Okay. Not at all. I, I get the assholes because I'm asking for it. Right. Because it's fun. Well. <laughs> Fuck them. That's why. <laughs> so so do you, ha- do you have... Uh, Folks that you can count on getting some great uh, comments every video from. Yeah, but they they always they never they don't last long. Okay. Yeah, the haters come around. Uh, there's been uh, there, lately. There's been a guy that's been around for a couple months, but they, they come and they go mm-hmm. because I don't know. Am I winning? Am I defeating them? Are they getting bored? You know, it, we were talking about it earlier on the skiff. You know, it, no matter the platform. The fact that people get offended <laughs> on, shit. Uh, on shit that they can just easily continue swiping past. Just turn it off, man. But, but they fucking stop. No. Not, not just stop. They yeah. stop and then they click on the I got to make a comment button. I got to make a comment. And, it's like, and then it, I'm going to watch your video next week and make another comment about how much it sucks. And then I'm going to do the same thing it's next It's insanity. Week. <laughs> it's absolutely. It's, you, you hate it, but you can't stop you watching. You can't stop watching. And, and how does that go? Uh, you're basically living rent free in someone's head. Bingo. You know, um, it, it's tantamount I to like love it. sending endless DMs, never getting a fucking response. And, and it's pretty reliable that those people that are commenting like that are fucking morons. 
like every time. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred. So they're pretty easy to fuck with. It's low hanging fruit, right? You know. But they, hey, if they're gonna if they're gonna uh, lob it up there for me, I'm gonna fucking knock crush it. Down. it. Yeah. yeah, and then I'm gonna post it on my Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not going to cover your name or anything. So that's that's one thing. So there's a, like anonymity. You're supposed to block out people's name. Fuck you. If you're posting it on a public fucking thing, right? Why should I block block your name off if I'm reposting it somewhere? You you're posting it publicly. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out. Yeah. You know. So like for instance, Reddit, they have protocols. Like if you're reposting, you're supposed to block people's names out and say, fuck that. It was posted somewhere publicly. Right. I'm going to repost it. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Um, so two plus years into it, you've become a staple on uh, Mondays in the fly fishing world. Some have called me a fly fishing celebrity. A celebrity. I, they choose, I'm not, I'm not in condoning that, but it, it comes up a lot. Um, Which is weird, right? You know, uh, does that mean that you're approaching... Like, how does it work? Can you be a celebrity in fly fishing and still not be an influencer? Or if you're a celebrity, you're by default an influencer? I think they probably are mutual. Um, I'm not real comfortable with either one of those terms. And then, then there's now, like, there's different levels of influencer that they're, like... I'm still micro. Okay. Yeah, I'm still considered... Because I'm less than 100,000. Oh, okay. That's considered a micro influencer. Okay. Yeah. Um, if anything, I'm the anti-influencer? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's weird. Um, it's weird and it's not weird. Um uh, uh, God, it's gonna be hard to talk about this without sounding like a fucking asshole. Um, I think that what I'm doing deserves some, uh, not recognition, but, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm putting myself out there and I'm making some bold claims and statements and I'm trying to also be entertaining while I'm doing it. So it's, I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, I'm not a fucking celebrity. I'm not. I am an influencer by default. Okay. Um, not because I want to be, but that's a byproduct of what I'm doing. And that's clear to me every single day by the many DMs that I get asking for advice mm -hmm. on whatever. Right. You know, we could scroll through my DMs from today and it's what line, what rod, where, what, why, how. Right, you know, all over the fucking place. Sure, and those are just you know people out of the blue. Um, so I think I, I I think I do qualify as an influencer as much as I don't want to call myself that. But right, that's the reality of it. I think the term celebrity is a bit fucking weird. Well, I think I think that you are accessible. I am, and and you know because you've put yourself out there, people know who you are. They feel comfortable because for the last two years, they've grown to know you through that video. And and they can click a button to send you a question. And the weird thing is, to me, the bizarre thing is, the fact that, and I fucking hate the word, and I'm on record saying I hate it, the fly fishing industry, yeah, the, industry yeah. the industry, the industry, the industry hierarchy has not, Said the, the establishment. The establishment has not said, "Oh my gosh, 
somebody within our ranks here would be really smart because whether we like his brand of humor, whether we like his shtick, whether we like anything about what he's doing or not, I'll guarantee you there's a lot of people putting fucking stock in what he thinks about shit. Yeah, big time. Whether it be brand or whatever, you should honestly have a line and you should be picking and choosing who you want to to help spread their message at this point. Um, but we are currently still ruled by a, a, an, a class that waves the magic wand that picks who's the quote-unquote next influencer when there's people standing right in front of them mm-hmm. that are already doing it yeah. on the daily Dozens, if not hundreds of times a week. They're just stuck in the old school mentality right. of how the fly fishing industry has been done for the last 50 years. Yep. And I'm sorry, guys, but things are different now, whether you like it or not. But uh, I think I, you know, I am accessible, <clears throat> and I think, I, you know, we talked about celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a dude that's likes a fly fish and i think that comes across you know i and i'm not coming at you with the sims logo behind my back or site whatever right you know um i'm not coming at you from behind a company i'm just a guy that comes across that loves the same shit that you yeah, do i just come across like a regular guy because that's what i am right and I, and i think people put a lot of value in that and they see what's the, the authenticity it's authenticity exactly and uh i i think it's kind of different in the you know the 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 industry is having a hard time accepting uh working with me or accepting what i'm doing because it's different than what's out there um uh i don't think there's really anybody doing what i'm doing to be no. quite honest with you Mm-mm. um and it's and it's fucking working. <laughs> so, no doubt about it. Yeah. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna keep doing it. But uh, going back to you, you said ex- accessible, and I think that's a big part of my success is that uh, I am accessible. Um, God, I hate to encourage people to do this, but if you send me a message, I'm gonna respond. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's pretty rare that I just completely ignore you. And whether that's just a double tap, you get a little heart. Hey, I'm sorry. I got 50 other DMs to get through. Mm-hmm. But that little double tap and heart goes a long way to somebody that gets it. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I read your message. I acknowledge you. And I think there's a huge importance in that. Because you send a message to Sims, they're not going to fucking do that to you. Right. Or, or one of these other influencer type people, they're not... I don't think they're doing that, are they? No, they're not. Um, I actually probably am more cynical towards um, the hand-selected, um, you know, the anointed influencers more so than than a lot of people. Yeah, you are. Um, a, a lot of people just, like, eat it up. Yeah. I, I stand back and go, why no, am we, I... So- we can see through that shit. Why am I supposed to be enamored by this person? No. Um, but I actually saw a video that was... I, I was actually like, wow, that was... 
I, I'm glad I watched that. I'm glad you told me that story to the point that even though I didn't follow dude, I searched his Instagram up and I sent a DM and said, Hey, I saw the video that so-and-so company put out today with you. The story you told about XYZ was really awesome for this reason. Keep up the great work. Do you want to tell what that is? And. Oh, you didn't hear anything back. Zero response. No, we won't tell what that is. No, not a fucking response. Yeah. Double tap, dude. Just a little double tap heart. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Yeah. I mean, I love, I, I, it's a love hate relationship. I like going through my DMs and you know you know what that taught me when 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 that I'm that I'm right. Yeah, fuck that, that guy. Uh, uh, fuck the system. Yeah, fuck the system and the people that are you are spoon fed to be. Yeah, I'm supposed uh, to I'm, idolize. Yeah, or whatever. Uh, this this guy can't even. Well, well, you're gonna hopefully I'll remember to ask you off air what that was. Yeah, I'd really like to know. Well, that's that's disappointing and. Um, I I put a lot of effort into connecting with my people, because um, they're they're I mean I'd be nothing without them. Yeah, yeah. So um, even if it's just a little double tap, you get the heart. It uh, it's something anyway. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time and effort. So uh, one thing my wife is always so like we get all the you know merch orders and stuff, and I'm I'm always over in the office packaging up stickers and everything. And she's like, you need to spend your time doing something else rather than packaging up stickers. And I'm like, but I love it. I love seeing where they're all going. I sent some to Israel the other day, and I sent them to whatever. I love seeing – or you see the – you recognize the name. You're like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I know I this know guy. Uh, yeah, every oh, time we come out he, with a new sticker, yeah, he, either he I, supports I, us. I, I know him on Instagram, or oh, dude, he's ordered like five times. Right. You're like, I I love packaging up the stickers just to see where they're going. Yeah. I I get a big kick out of that, and yeah, maybe my time is better spent doing other things, but there's a value in it for me on on that. Sure. You know? Well, it's it's the realization it's tangible it's while you're real. St- it's a connection exactly yeah i fucking love it yeah yeah and uh you know for those extra special people i'll put in some extra stickers uh-huh. or, you, know, you so- know and 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 that's the funny that's like the funny secret um you know at the taylor park when we come out with uh stickers we do ours old school you know throw them on the instagram do the venmo thing we'll send you the stickers and you know, I'm sure it's economic for a lot of people. You know, somebody would be like, you know, a one or two sticker order or whatever. But like, you have some swinging dick come through that's like, you know, I'll, ta- I'll take 10 or 15 yeah. stickers. They actually get sent a 20, 25. And it's not my stickers, it's other Others, stickers yeah, out, of out of my the collection. collection. Exactly. exactly. I'm sending them your stickers yep. and everyone else. And it's some, some extras of mine, maybe a koozie. Right. Who knows? Yep. And it, and it's not just the big orders; it's the repeat orders, mm-hmm. or maybe just somebody that I've connected with. With. Yeah. Yep. Period. Right. I, I recognize the names. I connect with a fuckload of people, but I recognize the names. So so we have the mail barge right on our podcast. Yeah. Um. Ha- have you been getting anything? Um. Anybody send say hey? How do I send you something? Oh, all the time. And any cool stuff that you care to? to talk about uh lots of flies um uh because like it's part of our show 
yeah. where it's not part of your video series. You know, you don't have like, you know, I, I think it would no, bog you down. But uh, people people send me flies all the time. Uh, John Zaringe f- is is one of those guys. He sent you flies. I know. As a matter so of fact, they're, are, while while we're while we're right? here, um, I, I actually. Um, oh, those, that's it. Yeah, and 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 I show it I, to the camera. I messaged John and let John know that I would be giving you some poppers. And uh, those he, are nice, dude. He's actually oh, he in the great flight. He's in the process of moving to Tennessee, right? And he said, "Whatever I give you, oh, these are He's great. gonna he's gonna make sure once he gets settled in Tennessee to uh, send some more down this way. We've been using these poppers uh, before the show. We go out and kind of have our own little bass pond yeah. uh, competition. This is uh, the classic Taylor oh, Popper. Oh yeah, nice color oh, scheme for you. That's it right there. So there's there's some nice flies for you, Ben. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks, Larry. Yes, sir. <laughs> I will be taking these to Louisiana in uh, March or April. One of those. You you might want to try to throw one of those tomorrow on the St. Johns. <gasps> We're going fishing on the St. Johns tomorrow. We're we're shad fishing, but I think we might have an opportunity for some bass. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think they live in there, right? They do live in there. Yeah. So we're going to fish these tomorrow. We're definitely going to have them on board anyway. Nice. So. so we started out, got to know young Ben and his Kmart start to his celebrity ending. What do we have in the future? What does the future hold? I mean, immediate or, or no? Like, what? What's your vision? Like, you know, I'm telling you, there isn't one, man. I, I, uh, from the very beginning, there has not really been a long term goal. Okay, I still don't have that. Um, I think where I am right now is I'd like to expand ways that I can make money from this. Right. And uh, we talked a little bit about this today. Um, I'm gonna have. I'm going to be offering some more stuff for sale, whether that's apparel, and I'm going to be doing curated fly selections with fly boxes with my logos on them and stuff. But in a broader sense, mm-hmm. I really have no idea, man. It's I, I've never had an idea. I mean, I think my take of what you're doing is you're sharing and spreading the stoke of fly fishing, and you're doing it like these little tiny pieces at a time and if you just keep the same attitude towards keeping it brief keeping it positive keeping it tongue-in-cheek accessible accessible and real authentic i think it's limitless how long it can go um but do i so i mean in a real sense though do i go the april Voki route where it's membership only do I do Patreon? Do I keep doing YouTube? Like, these are the real questions that I talk about with my wife. Yeah, you know? and, and those are like the behind-the-scenes monetizing it and, and what, what it's going to mean to you. Well, that's what that question means to me. Right. Is, is where is this going? And, 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 and I understand that's the important part to you, but to me, I'm asking more so from the... What's going to keep people watching? Because I'm going to keep doing it, right? And that's the that's what I'm saying. Like, what's the what's the vision for? Just going to keep doing it. Is it going to develop into more 
travel like you know this yeah, week you're spending more you know. travel but it's it's funny though um i really like doing the saltwater stuff and traveling but the that's not what performs well what performs well is the, the trout fishing really yeah it's way better and it's like i've talked about this before but i i love doing the videos with kids but they do not perform well and you would think that'd be cool but it's not but um but the trout fishing is really actually what people seem to want just based on the analyzing the video performance. Right. Um, that's where it's and at. Is that, is that universal across the year or is that because, uh, yeah, it is the shack nasties have no. everybody locked up inside right no, now. It's universal across okay. the year, but that's, but I'm not going to let that really control what I do. Cause I like to come down here and right. I like to saltwater fish mm-hmm. And I like to, um, what's really important to me in my fishing is being diverse. Well, I, I think, too, the the breakdown of how many people cold water slash trout fish versus how many of us are saltwater fly fishermen. Saltwater is really, disparity. really small. Yeah, because really it's, small it's, it's community. tougher. It's, it's, it's not as accessible to right. everyone. Um, yeah, and trout and panfish are, are where it's at. You know, right. As far as the masses, mm-hmm. uh, saltwater is super cool, but it's not ex- as accessible to everybody. I mean, most for the most part, you need a boat, or right. you might need more money. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I think uh, you know it's it's I, uh, what, based on analyzing my numbers, which I do all the time. You're gonna give every you're gonna give the people what they want. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, makes sense because. You know, you know everybody that's normally sitting around the old oak table here for a, a fly, you know, doing the the Taylor Trash podcast. We're all here in Florida. We all saltwater fish. That's like that's just where we live. You're right? in Florida on the coast. So a lot of times we struggle to watch all of your videos. I understand, and and we've told you that, and you completely yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, but it never occurred to me, you know, because I guess, you know, by being the saltwater guys, we think we're the cool kids on the block. You are, and, but you're not the majority. And that's what I, that's what it just dawned on me is, wow, you know, the the fact that most everybody might <clears throat> like to peek behind that curtain and see what we're doing. It's not as relatable. It's what's relatable. Right. And so going back to the Drake, I remember Tom Bai got uh, started a thread one time that was like, what do you want to see in the Drake magazine? Mm-hmm. And I responded. And I was like, I want to see shit that I can relate to. Fuck your Seychelles. Fuck your this and that exotic shit. Right. That doesn't matter. I want to see shit that I can relate to. And that I'm dealing with the same thing. You know now. what the Seychelles represents to me? Everything that's fucking wrong with fly fishing. Yeah. It, it really, it's just. Would you go there though? I, I don't think at this point I would. I would. I don't think I would. But but we're saying the same thing. It's I it's... dare you to fucking call me on it, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I was to invite you there tomorrow, <laughs> but I, like and I, I get it. Like I want stuff that's relatable, right? And and the trout fishing is relatable to to most fly anglers, right? And then I think second to that would be like bass and panfish, and, yeah. and saltwater is behind that, right? And and those aren't where my personal priorities lie, but at this point, I I I need to cater to what's gonna right. Quite frankly, make the most money for me mm-hmm. to be perfectly fucking perfectly honest. blunt yeah, and honest. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's what I am. I'm authentic and real and honest. And there you go. <laughs> I'm trying to make money. 
Shame on me. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. No, I know. That's how we all pay our bills. I know. Yeah. Got to make that money. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, gosh, man. Um, you know, I, I hope that uh, a few people get to either watch this or just listen to it and uh, have a little bit of different uh, perception of where Ben came from um, and how Ben became what Ben is today. Still because evolving. Because I, uh, I sometimes see probably on Instagram somebody will get mad about something that you do on a video <laughs> and it's like, he's not even from Colorado. He's <laughs> from fucking, you know, Maryland and he barely has ever fly fished his entire <laughs> life, you know? And uh, it actually seems like quite the opposite to be true. So uh, not that you needed anybody to know your background to be the success that you are today. Cause you've done it without that. I, I do think, uh, Everybody has a story. Um, not all of us are going to be anointed to be, you know, that certified celebrity that, you know. <laughs> self-certified. Self-certified. <laughs> so um, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and share, well, you know, uh, what, what, what has brought you to today. I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, and I appreciate you for uh, being part, a big part, of, of this journey that we're all on. Um, you've, you've been there since the very beginning and, and, and quite honestly, you've been a big part of my growth and, and you've been a big help along the way. And, uh, I think we're, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, you know, the, the most important thing to me, um, is to see people recognize opportunities and explore them. Take them as far as you can fucking take them. Yeah. And don't be scared of opportunity. Just fucking grab it and go. And get your hustle on. You know why? Because fuck them. That's why. That's r- zero fucks. <laughs> Just get out there and do it. Are you are you having fun doing it? Absolutely. This is the best time of my life right now. All right. And that's all that needs to be said. Yeah. And everything will fall into place after it. That's the way it's going. So, all right. Well, um, that's going to wrap it up for a beer with Ben Sittig, thanks the huge for, fly fisherman. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. And, Larry, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I've had a great time and I'm looking forward to fishing tomorrow. Yeah, yep. Amen to that. West Jamaica, Shoe is a